This is Coda Radio, episode 76, for November 18th, 2013. everyone, you're listening to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our three fine sponsors, GoDaddy, Ting, and DigitalOcean. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Misa going to bed! It's Jaja! Jar Jar Binks. Hello, Mr. Jar Jar. Well, uh, good afternoon to you, sir. It's morning here on the West Coast, and I hope you're ready for my diagnosis. You said the best character, Chris. Jeez. <laughs> you know, I, have, I, I told you the story about the time when my that, that movie came on in my household, which is not a common occurrence, and uh, Jar Jar came on the screen, and both my, my two oldest kids lit up with excitement when they saw Jar Jar, and my heart sank a little bit. I died, a part of me died that day. I mean, but other than that, Jar Jar, I love you, really. Uh, I think you're great. Misa said... Get it out of here. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jar Jar, will you let uh, Mr. Dominic in? Because I have to give him my diagnosis this week. Uh, it turns out um, this is just uh, based on uh, some audience survey data that I've taken and uh, by using uh, something I call the PRISM program. And also some notes that I have here in my medical journal. Uh, you hear that? That's my That's my medical journal right there. Uh, I, I'm going to diagnose you as burnt out, Mr. Dominic. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You are burned out. And I'll tell you why at the end of uh, the feedback segment, because I, I think I won't. Maybe I'll get your take on it. We'll see what you think. We've talked about burnout before on the show, but there's a new angle I want to take on it. So a new aspect I think we could talk about. And also, you know, we got some great feedback last week, especially from Irrational Number in the uh, subreddit. And he was going on to say that one of the things he actually likes is when we get into this nitty-gritty stuff. He said, uh, I think it's important to the dev landscape. Since the guys are discussing issues that arise, frustrations, etc., we get to see more of the nitty-gritty of being a developer. I know I've heard Michael say it about development, and as a sysadmin, it rings true for me as well. The largest part of my job isn't the technical part. It's dealing with people, conflicts, and other soft issues. I'm sure there are a lot of fields where soft issues get overlooked, and it's nice to see them being discussed on the show along with the technical discussion. So listeners get a better understanding of the industry as a whole and what to expect. Well, isn't that the truth? Um, because there yeah. is this, you know, you've, uh, you were just talking on the pre-show too about like how sometimes when you push yourself and you push yourself, you're starting to notice diminishing returns on what you get back. You got bad attitudes from people all around. You know, it's, it's there, yeah. you're running into some blockers there. <clears throat> so, all right, Mr. Dominic. But before we get into that, what do you say we read some of our feedback? Are you good with that? Let's do it. Let's will you, will you allow me it. to do that? Okay. All right. Uh, so first one comes in from Egon. Now, he doesn't listen to the show anymore. Uh, but he, he, he said, doesn't. No. But he does arbitrarily write in. He says, hi, Chris and Mike. Uh, I do accept your apology for mentioning my name on air. I grant you here worth five free licenses for rants about phones and tablets and or personal computing devices. But this time I also have something meaningful to say. As a longtime listener to many of the podcasts on your network, I'm in the process of signing up for a subscription. I'm considering this following this struck me. If you would sell the subscription as a technical podcast service, it would be tax deductible for me. 
given that you supply a proper invoice at least once a year. This is why I could afford to subscribe at a higher price. My support for Jubilee Broadcast may be sponsored by the Austrian government. How do you like that idea, Egon? You know, isn't that an interesting idea? I, I think, uh, you know, Google Helpouts just launched. I wonder if you, people could sell those as a technical service, too. Um, I don't know if that same tax rule would apply everywhere, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how that works for taxes, to be honest. But, but it's nice to know Egon's still out there, huh? It's good to know he was able to, without listening to the show. <laughs> but you know what, Egon? We love you. We do. I, I Now I want to write him all the time. Uh, I, I kind of just like, you know, when I'm in my mail client, it just says Egon, right? Right, and you're like, is it Egon from the show that emails us, or is it the Ghostbuster? It Ghostbuster. You're right, and you I, don't know. And if it's the Ghostbuster, well, where's Rain? Right. And really, I want to hear from Slimer. But. And you got to wonder, if they email me, is there a ghost in my house? Who, who are they going to call? Apparently me. Yeah. Or maybe it's a coupon. Maybe they, maybe they signed up with Groupon. All right. So Chris writes, and not this Chris, not the one talking, no, not this one, but a different Chris. He says, uh, I just turned my Dell. I just turned in my, oh God, this is funny. I just turned in my Dell, like turned in your badge, <clears throat> my job and my six years of .NET development for a shiny new MacBook Pro and a Node.js dev position at a hipster startup. And boy, does it feel great. Wow, you could not have gone further from where you started. Playing, he says, playing with myself. Good luck with that surface, Michael. I kid, I kid. Ouch, wow, getting down to the surface. Okay, he says, uh, now I've been very skeptical about Node.js myself, and I've always been a fan of the right tool for the right job. Without going into too much detail, cough, cough, India. I think it makes sense for this project. I've been, uh, I've been there for a few days now, and I'm loving the new office environment, and most of all, not having to look at a Windows box. Uh, if I can't have Linux, I'd much rather have a Mac, he says. I've been having such a great time at the new office that I I, uh, I even produced a drunk coding story of sorts. I recall a few episodes ago you requested these unless I was drunk and that was a different podcast. This isn't exactly drunk coding, uh, but he says um, uh, this would be awful in Node, but, just, uh, but in day two we did it out of drinks, and by the end of it my new team... I used the GoDaddy promo code to purchase igotabonor.com. <laughs> so, so after they had a few drinks and did some coding, they decided to make a joke and buy igotaboner.com. Can you believe that wasn't taken, he says. <laughs> I keep... This is not good. <laughs> In keeping with the proper disclosure of outside work, we texted our boss. I think he was very proud. Photo of my shiny new Mac. Sorry, no photos of the hipster startup attached. Uh, he says, uh, that is too funny. Love all the shows. Uh, so... You know, we were making fun. Uh, I'll look at his him with his picture. I'll see. I'll pull that up on the stream for him. Uh, that's always fun when you get new gear. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you ever gone into work someplace and said, like, well, I'll only work here if you can provide this type of equipment? That's how Never, I got... Because I've, I've always had to bring in my equipment. That's how I got my first System 76 laptop. Uh, I, started oh, really? at a, I started at a new job, and I said, uh, all right, well, I'll start here, but I want to run Linux, because I was going to be a Linux admin, and right. I want to run it on this hardware. And uh, that's how I got my first one. And then I always use that tactic from then on. A little pro tip. <laughs> it works. Like if, you know, don't, don't, don't negotiate away a, a wage increase over it. <laughs> but right. think about Obviously, it. Obviously, a box is a box at the end of the day. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it worked. And so uh, it is interesting, though, how many startups are uh, just going right to the Mac platform. Well, I, I, th- I th- think the Mac offers a Unix environment um, and is super stable, right? Yeah, and I guess the alternative to that would be the Ubuntu's or the OpenSUSEs out there. And you do, you know, actually, I have been seeing a lot of that too. But in terms of like the California, West Coast, yeah. Bay Area startup, and even and even when you have copycats of that in different parts of the U.S., but like when you're of that of that DNA ilk, 
It seems like it's Mac. It's just Mac all the way. Maybe because Apple's a California company too, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I would say a lot of these startups are also fairly design driven. Yeah, in a lot of ways, and well funded. Because that's where I when I think startup, I think cheap. <laughs> but maybe I'm not thinking okay, VC startup, thing, right? For for a, a company that has staff, your hardware is probably not your biggest. Yeah, that's set. true. That's true. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think if Dell had pursued Sputnik a little more, this might have changed. But to be honest, the, the Sputnik laptops are more expensive than a Mac. That is true. Yeah, that's kind of been the big knock against them is, is there's not a lot of value there. Right. And most, you know, CEOs are not going to buy a System76 rig. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah, there's also the built-in IT support, right? Something wrong? Go to the apple store i actually think that's the sneaky advantage right because the apple store so we've we've over the last couple episodes we've been talking about this sort of diminishing roles of the it department in medium to small sized businesses and the macbook apple store combo now not not every business is within driving distance of a macbook but here in washington we definitely all are there's like three stores within you know all on the i5 corridor basically well one down 405 anyways uh, the point is, is if a client has a MacBook break, they could have the, the, a lot of these times they'll have the IT savvy-ish person who's like the most IT savvy there. They could just take the MacBook on a on an extended lunch, run down to the Apple store and drop it off. That's a, you know, that's better than calling Dell and getting their, their four hour response when you pay, when you get Dell gold support or whatever. People just prefer to be able to do that. So I could see that as an advantage too. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I was doing a late coding session over the weekend uh on the couch uh my air fell off the couch apparently while i was asleep <laughs> you fell asleep and, you fell asleep coding <laughs> and i proceeded to get up and step on the trackpad oh snaps that's glass uh so it, it's actually fine oh it's good. just a little stuck because the frame seems to have gotten a little jammed oh uh, i'm pretty sure that if i take it to the apple store they'll probably fix it in like 10 minutes you think they can just pry it up or something yeah i think that's all they have to do and they'll probably fix it for free that's nice right because uh-huh. if, if so, it, yeah if it yeah. was like if you'd bought that so if you'd bought that machine from costco you're pretty they much would say they're you know user damage sorry yeah right i mean usually my experience with with the mac store is unless they need to buy a part or replace the part, they'll generally just do quick fixes for free. The other thing where Apple is really shining right now, and some people are willing to pay a premium for it, is the battery life. Um, <laughs> like, what is like? I guess some people are saying like almost thirteen hours if you you know half bright your screen and. Uh, yeah, I mean you're you're doing some voodoo to get those kind of numbers. But that's but, still like yeah. even if you get ten hours on a laptop, for me, it's like I don't even like battery life on a laptop isn't really a big purchasing factor. But I could see how for some folks that just want to go somewhere and not have to worry about wires and just want to write some code or write a blog post or whatever it is they're doing, I could see how that could be really advantageous. It's almost an all-day battery. Well, it is an all-day battery. Exactly. That's pretty powerful. All right. Kyle writes in, and this one's a little weird. I got a, I got a, qu- a couple of questions for you, Mr. Dominic. But uh, he, he, the original topic was keyboard layouts. He says, hi, Mike and Chris. Hmm. First, I'm an avid listener of Coda Radio. I often listen to each episode twice. JB bar none has the best podcast around. Keep up the awesome work. Well, thank you, Kyle. See, that's keeping me from burning out right there. I'm a long time. Awesome. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. You see, I'm a long time programmer. And a few months back, I made the decision to switch my keyboard layout from QWERTY. I've had the pains. I've had hand pains for as long as I can remember. And even with proper posture, I was still having issues with my hands aching every hour or so. 
Do you still use QWERTY? And if so, have you ever considered switching? If not, what layout do you use? And what was your reason for choosing this layout? I debated between Dvorak, Colmac, and Norman. I chose Colmac. I went from I went from 17 words per minute on day one, brutal, to bursts of over 100 words per minute in just a few short months. I went, I went cold turkey and switched both my personal machines as well as my work machines to Colmac overnight. My hand pain has since been completely eliminated. So, Mr. Dominic, uh, have you ever experimented with keyboard layouts? Change, swap a uh, route. I have, I have not. Uh, but I did have a similar situation with uh, hand pain, and I ended up actually switching from the, you know, the, the pack-in Bluetooth Apple keyboard, or worse yet, the pack-in Dell keyboard, to uh, my DOS keyboards that I keep talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you, where there's um, something about that finger travel really kind of like it, like. I often wonder if it's your fingers smashing into the keyboard and then like that sort of reverberates into your wrists and I don't know what it is, but a yeah, nicer keyboard yeah. seems to help. I have a yeah. uh, I have a Logitech G19 keyboard which has those same cherry switches. It's really nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That and a good chair went a long way. So this uh, is in fact funny because at, at the at the office I don't have my good chair, and I'm strongly considering just buying a duplicate of my chair. Interesting. So I was I, I was going to ask you kind of along these lines. Instead of keyboard layout changes, have you considered a standing desk? I have, but they're a little pricey. Um, yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking like it's it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I've I, tried. I've tried a a ghetto standing desk, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking about trying a ghetto desk and seeing if I liked it for a little bit. Yeah, I, I actually stacked two Scrabble boxes below my keyboard. Yeah. And, but, you know, that's high enough because I have a high desk to stand. It's not bad, but the cost of a standing desk that converts into a sitting desk is, is not worth it. It's like, it's, yeah, like to get a decent one with good motors, you're looking twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 probably for, uh, you know, right. a, a standard unit that doesn't have maybe like built-in power plugs. Because you got, then you got to have like, you got to accommodate the cords on your devices and stuff like that too as it raises. Uh, but I sit so much... <laughs> that I'm worried like in 30 years I'll really regret spending this much of my life sitting in my chair. Yeah, I have that concern too. I mean, as much as possible, I walk around. So if I'm on a phone call with a client, that's not like a Skype or a Google Hangout. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm pacing. I'm walking. I always walk when I'm on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I need to get out of my desk. Um, you know, my office is is just down the street from my house. So I walk to the office. I, I've been trying to do more and more knowing that I sit eight to ten hours a day. Mm-hmm. See, I sit during the shows and I sit while I edit and I sit while I post them. So I've been thinking about a standing, but I I, I also uh, – I've heard that that transition can be a little harder than you think at first. I've also – yeah, I've also heard that it's – it's most people I know who are do, doing it are not doing the pure standing desk. They're doing the uh, ones I – the convertible ones that we're talking about. Uh, they like stand for a few hours, then sit and then stand again. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I got one more email here from John I wanted to read, um, and uh, then we actually have another email we'll read at the end of the show. Actually, I was going to have you look at that book first and see if you're cool with that. So why don't you look at that while I talk a little bit about Ting? I'll do our first sponsor spot while you pre-vet that book, and then if you like it, we'll do that book pick at the end of the episode, okay? Sure thing. I think we already did it once, though. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It was one of the holiday suggestions because I solicited holiday suggestion books. All right. Well, first, I want to tell you guys about Ting. Now, what is Ting? Ting is mobile that makes sense, my mobile service provider. And Ting is really changing, challenging the wireless industry. Let's put it that way. One of the things they've done that's, that set them apart immediately right out of the gate was no contract. So thus, no early termination fees either. Now, something they've transitioned to, oh, gosh, I want to say towards the beginning of this year, 
um, uh, it was uh, pay for what you use as a as the as the model. This is so awesome. Now I sit here today and I think. I'm probably going to end up oh, actually. So, uh, Mike, I, I bought the Nexus five. <laughs> I don't think I told you yet, but I picked up the Nexus five. And here's what I realized is I want to run all of. So there's three Jupiter broadcasting apps in the Android app store. And I want to try all of them on Android four, four, because every iteration of Android has introduced some sort of change in the way it handles live RTSP video streams from a flash server. And so, or actually it's an H 64 server. I want to test that on the, 4.4 version of Android, and now I want to test on my HTC One, and I have an Evo 4G here in-house. Matt has my Note 2. I want to test on all of these devices. And I realized that if I was actually in a traditional contract arrangement for all of these devices, I would be I would be up into the $300 per month range right now for my monthly bill. Because I, I, to properly test a mobile application out in the field, you have to have it on the cellular network. You need to be out in the field, seeing how it performs, not on Wi-Fi. you got to really put it out in the production field. And so if I had all of these devices on a traditional carrier's plan, I'd be really, really paying out the nose right now. Ting is paid for what you use. They just take your texts, your megabytes, and your, and your messages, uh, and they add the, all your, and your minutes, and they add all of those up at the end of the month. Whatever bucket you fall into, that's what Ting will charge you. You can have as many phones as you want sharing the same plan. It'll just cost, there's a base dollar, $6 per month, and then you pay for each device that you use. But the real part that makes all of this sing is the Ting dashboard. It's incredibly powerful. It allows you to reactivate and reassign devices all from within the Ting dashboard. You don't have to call anybody, and you can do it within just a few clicks. It's super quick and very easy. In fact, here, I'll log into uh, my account right now on uh, Ting just to kind of show it to you. So right now, uh, my current bill is uh, $14, or just no, $15. I have uh, 14 days left. In this in this area, I would get a breakout of all of the phones. I get my latest activity when I when I uh, move the uh, Note Two over to Matt's account. From within here, I could easily deactivate and reactivate that Note Two onto my account. I could be I could I can set alert thresholds for if another phone goes over the limits through here. So it makes it makes working with a development team very straightforward, very easy. We have somebody that's going to be coming in house to work on an app for us, and when they're here, I'm going to give them one of these Ting devices. And they'll have a production-ready device that's easy for both of us to work with. Now, when you add the fact that Ting has some of the great, some of the best Android devices on the market, and you get them out of contract, so you actually own that device upright. That's huge. And they're rolling out the welcome wagon for the Nexus 5 now. Go over to ting.com slash blog to read up all the latest details on bringing the Nexus 5 over to Ting. You can order the Nexus 5 from Google Play. So that's awesome. So just go over there and order one because you can lock in a shipping date. Then go get on the uh, SIM card priority list over on the Ting blog. So that way you can get one of these new SIM cards. This requires like the micro SIM, I believe. It's a different kind of SIM than you're normally going to have. So you need to get on the list so you can get one. Uh, there are There is some form threads where if there's a Sprint store near you, you could go in and see if they've got one for you already. You might be able to just pick one up. Um, and they have actually several threads here linked in the blog post if you want to read up on some of that. Uh, and I, so I ordered my Nexus 5. I'm going to put it on Ting, and I'll have another device for testing in-house. I'll have another device to try out Android 4.4 on, and I still only pay for what I use. Now, if this, now, heaven forbid, if the HTC One were to sit on my desk slightly unused for a month because I was playing with the Nexus 5, no big deal. I only pay for what I use. Now, when I hand over the HTC One to that developer we'll be bringing in-house, and he goes off and he has to test a lot of different things on that thing, no big deal. I'll just pay for what he uses. It's super easy. It's great for small teams. It's great for businesses, and it's really great for individuals. When you combine that with Ting's early termination relief program over at ting.com slash ETF, where they'll give you up to $75 per line, 
Well, now it's really a great deal. So go to over to coderadio.ting.com to get started. They'll take $25 off your first month of service or $25 off a device if you don't already have one. And then you'll really get started. And now's a better time than ever because you can save, save, save. So uh, thank you very much to Ting for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. I love my HTC One. I really love my HTC One. All right, Mr. Dominic. So I wanted to read uh, a little uh, a little email here, and it was just a great email. It's just kind of a nice one, and I thought it'd be a good way to start before we get into the burnout, the heavy stuff. Okay, so it came in from oh, John. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hmm. Just craftily mentioned the Nexus Five, and then tried to back out. Oh, look, uh, I didn't. You didn't bite, so I didn't think you were interested. No, no, I was letting you do the promo because I, I was having something weird going on with my. Oh, okay, all right. My split tile thing. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's for the people who weren't on the pre-show. Uh, Mike is in Metro today. <laughs> I mean, so good on him. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Metro user. Yeah. Well, so you know, uh, uh, the Nexus Five for me, uh, I've heard mixed things on the camera, but some people say it's great. Uh, some people say it's not. But uh, I just, I, I think. I really, I really like the concept of you buy a phone directly from the manufacturer. There's no crap yes. on it, so it's a pure oh. Android experience. And I really like that concept matched with the Ting concept of no contract, pay for what you use. It really feels like the way it should be. Did I actually tell you? Uh, um, my buddy, who's now PM at Fingertip, is uh, actually a, a happy Ting user. He he picked up my HTC One off of me from Ting. And he's using that as his primary device. The H- so I that was a little. There was a little hesitation uh, to replace my uh, HTC One because it is such. Yeah, a nice I'm, phone. I'm surprised you went from the One to the Nexus Five. It, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a downgrade or not either. I don't. Yeah. I because it the because the Nexus Five has a slightly nicer CPU, um, and I think maybe a nicer camera, and it's a newer version of Android. I think overall it's an upgrade, but the HTC One is such a strong contender. If they start discounting the HTC One, it is a must buy. So it's funny because I'm rolling with the uh, with the Moto X, and I'm 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 pretty happy with it, but I do feel like it's a mild downgrade from the HTC One. Yeah, I could see that with the with the X. That's why I eventually didn't go for it because I kind of yeah, you know. I mean, I like the. So, are you still using the OK Google feature? Yeah, I'm using it uh, a little less, but I'm using it for a lot of like. It's interesting. It hasn't supplemented anything I was doing before, but. You know, for instance, I don't really care what the weather is going to be in most cases, right? But now when I'm having my coffee and when I'm like, okay, Google, what's the weather? Because it's there, you you, you use it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, Google, now get me to Starbucks. Yeah. And now it's listening. Whoops. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. Right. You can't do that on the show anymore. <clears throat> Let's see here. So uh, if I uh, so so if I say, okay, Google, what's the weather? That it, does that work on the five? Well, no, it's supposed to do work on this new version of. You just open the. Okay, so I'm supposed to be able to just open up this Android app on the. Okay, Google. What's the weather? So I can actually do it on the HTC One, but I have to open the Google app first. Right. So mine is like if I say, okay, Google, now get me to Starbucks. It literally. It, it's on the other side of my desk. It was asleep, and now it's listening to me talk. Yeah, that is kind of cool. And the reason why I know that's kind of cool is I just got done playing with uh, a technology called KDE Connect, mm-hmm. and it is an integration between the KDE desktop and your Android phone. It lets you share the clipboard, but it also lets you share the notification tray. And so uh, I got my, – my phone was across the room, and I heard it beep, and I saw the notification light start flashing, which can I just say 
I like the notification light. I don't know if the Nexus 5 has one, but, I, I, you know, the iPhone doesn't have one. Blackberries have had them. I, I love the notification light because I'm more of a silent phone guy myself, probably because I do shows I all the time. I don't, I don't like my phone to be on Ringer because I, I find it very disruptive. Yeah, exactly. So what's really nice is I, if I just see the light flash or if I do have the volume down low and I hear it beep at me, I can just click on, a, on an applet in my system tray and it brings up the notification tray from my Android device, which is really nice. And so just having that sort of across the room availability to the Android device is very helpful. I, so I could see how with the, with the Moto, you know, if... You know, if you okay, Google, set a reminder. I mean, I would probably use that. So it's one of those things that's really awesome and really convenient when it works. Um, it's really cool in the car, too, when it works, because it, it can actually make it a lot, in my opinion, a much safer driving experience, right? Sure, yeah. Um, How accurate is it the further away it is? Does it have to be pretty close to be accurate? It doesn't need to be that close, it seems like. I mean, I've never put it in a different room and shouted across the house. Yeah. Um, it does need to not have a ton of ambient noise, though. Yeah. So, so one cars... of the issues, yeah, where it's most useful, right, in the car, let's say, you know, obvious scenario, um, going to a relative's, but plans change, right? Or for me, it would be my wife texts me while I'm driving. I'd prefer to be able to reply via voice. Can you do that? So I can reply via voice, but it doesn't actually send the text message. I need to tap. Ah. So, which is weird. Because uh, I think um, Siri will actually send the text. Siri will wait for you. She'll she'll wait and then send it. Um, so what she'll do is you'll dictate the text. Siri, send a text to my wife. Okay, I can send a message to Angela. What would you like it to say? Right, and then when tell you her, her I'm message. talking to Mike on Coda Radio. Ready to send it? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'll send it. Yeah. So Siri actually prompts you verbally. Google Now doesn't. Hmm. That requires the tab. It, and it seems like, okay, that's enough Moto X. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also a little sensitive, actually. Um, well, that's Yeah, I, I like it a lot. It's, um, I mean, I'm still, I'm using this as my personal phone, and I've moved over all my audiobooks, all my podcasts to it. Um, really, I hate to say it, but the thing I use the most is the widget, right? Oh, I know. Yeah. My whole, my whole, like if you swipe to the right, my whole screen is Audible, Spotify, and uh, I think this is Pocket Cast. Yeah, I have uh, to my left all my Bitcoin readouts of yeah. all the different Bitcoin stuff that I follow, including like a little couple of line of Bitcoin headlines. And then I have my center screen, which is like my apps and, and the clock widget. And then I go to my right and I have Twitter and G plus feeds and then like all my Instagram and all the other social network links on that page. And it's so nice to just be like, Flipped one side, instant information, and it's it's totally what Microsoft was trying to go go f- for with Metro, right? Um, and it, but it for some reason because there's more flexibility in the widgets, it feels better executed in some regards. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I could say that, but I I I find it more flexible on the Android side. Now, are you using Hangouts as your texting client? I'm trying it. See, I use Google Voice, and so I'm not quite clear on. Like I noticed that my Google Voice message text messages are showing up in Hangouts, and I think if I reply in Hangouts, I think it replies with my Google Voice number, but I'm not sure. It does. Okay. Yeah. So I'm using Hangouts. I just got the update on my Moto X as an SMS app, and it's actually pretty convenient. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, right? Is uh, like I love the idea of an application that I have presence in if I'm if I'm on my phone, if I'm at my desk, uh, if I'm you know wherever. I think that's really handy because I do pick up and move between machines a lot. 
and and also between my office and the studio, right? And in the future, my office, studio, and home. And I, I also I also really like the idea that I can flip over to phone or video because like maybe the kids are doing something ridiculously cute back at home and I want to get a video of it real quick, right? And so my wife will do that. I just I don't like sending all that stuff through Google. That's the catch. Yeah, but we, I mean, we don't need to jump yeah. on a Google. No, we'll right? we'll be today. blowing all of Egon's. Uh, yeah, all of yeah. Egon's credits. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah. So you're happy with the Nexus Five? You feel you feel? I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, you're on yeah. the waiting. I'm, I, it says December third. It will be my arrival date, but we'll see. Well, was that two weeks? That's not too bad. I'm hoping it's Scotty Math. I'm hoping like I get a shipment notification here soon. In fact, I'm going to check Google now right now for to see if I got a shipment notification. Because uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm really. I mean, I, I definitely have criticized Android a lot, but I'm on board with shaking up the market a little bit. Uh, um, you know, and they are pushing down the price of luxury phones with this Nexus line now, and I think that's kind of yeah. interesting. So we'll see. All right. Well, while you check your shipment notification, can I do a plug, plug, plug? Yeah, do it, man. So uh, Code Journal has bundled up. Oh yeah, I was going to talk to you about this. I'm glad you brought yep. this up. Tell me about this. So you joined a bundle. Uh, joined a bundle. Uh, it's actually from Paddle HQ, who they're kind of an older Mac software company. They've been around for a while. I mean, I remember buying one of their bundles a few years ago, and they do this a lot, right? They take a theme and they make a bundle. So, for instance, the bundle Code Journal is in is called the Developer Bundle. Shockingly, you know, yeah, right? that works. Um, it's there with actually kind of frustratingly a couple apps I already own. <laughs> so, yeah, that's always how those bundles kind of go. But, yeah, but a few a few new things yeah, I found that yeah. I wasn't uh, that I. I hadn't heard of before. Uh, in particular, if you're a Mac guy and you don't want to do a lot of command line server stuff, Virtual X, which is another app in the bundle, or I'm sorry, Virtual Host X, is a pretty neat alternative for you. Again, you're a Mac guy, not a... These are all Mac apps, right? Right. Uh, oh, Marked is a really good Marked, marked is, app. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine is using Marked all the time. Yeah, yeah. Marked is uh, it, Marked is one of those apps that I cannot wait for either the, them to make a Linux version or somebody to make one like it. Uh, because yeah. I use Markdown a lot, and it has uh, real time previews. I, I would, I mean, I would buy this bundle alone just for Code Journal and Marked. Right. Well, that's the thing. This is not a this. This is a pay what you want bundle, right? Oh, nice. They have, they have a recommended price of. I'm lo- I'm looking at their screen right now. In fact, I can link into the chat. Uh, a recommended price of fifteen dollars because all of these apps are five dollars plus separately, right? Yeah. And there there's six of them. Uh, so the the lineup is Code Journal, R Code, Virtual Host X. Marked Minko, which is a, actually a mathematics thing, and a code bug, which is um, bug tracking kind of thing. Uh, but it is pay what you want. The current av- average is just north of five bucks. Um, the top someone's paid is thirty three dollars, but the recommended is fifteen. Again, pay what you want. So if you're familiar with a humble bundle, that kind of deal. Very nice. These and- are mostly uh, so Code Journal is developer signed via Apple, right? So if you're running your gatekeeper on CodeJournal, it's going to install just fine, just like the App Store. You'll get updates via email. In fact, you'll get updates before people who bought on the App Store because, you know, yeah, that's how that goes. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel terrible every time I tell people that. But. Yeah, they'll just tell them that's the convenience tax. Yeah, but it's basically what it is. It's, it's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would, you know... I already used um, Virtual Host X a few times. I'm using it more now. But really, Code Journal and Marked, definitely, uh, you know, Marked is a very popular app in Code Journal. I think a lot of people have used. Yeah, yeah. Good, I, good bundle. Some, in other news, I've actually pulled, are you ready for this, Chris? You yeah. might be 
holding vintage antique merchandise now. Oh, yeah? Tell me about this. I've pulled Code Journal for iPhone. Oh, wow. Wow, what happened? Well, it was, uh, you know, I got some feedback from a user that really struck home because I haven't updated it in a long time. I've been updating the Mac app. I know we haven't talked about it on the show because they've been small updates to keep up with GitHub's API. We have a big update coming, actually, in January. Um, You know, but the iPhone app really, you know, with GitHub's email functionality for a lot of things, and the amount of people who don't want push notifications, it didn't make a lot of sense, right? Hmm. Uh, And there was this other aspect of it being free. And was something of a drag on maintenance. Yeah, I could see that. So we were actually midway through a total redesign, but the cost of that was, of course, we haven't updated the iPhone app in forever. Mm -hmm. And it just got to the point where it was, you know, well, how much can we charge for the iPhone app, which is always going to be less featureful, you know, because of the way iOS works versus macOS, a little more limited than the Mac app when we're only charging $5 for the Mac app, right? Mm-hmm. So it just got into this thing where, you know, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, in particular, GitHub has their own native iOS applications now. And frankly, usage, the, while usage on the Mac app has steadily increased, usage on iOS kind of went, went up and then went down. Hmm. And I think a lot of that was... Checking people, it out. Well, people also Googling CodeJournal because for some reason the iTunes uh, iOS store comes up first all the time uh, rather than the Mac. So uh, I actually think there might have been a lot of accidental um, usage. The other side of this is GitHub limits your tokens. So, so getting rid of the iPhone client gives us back a bunch of tokens for the Mac client. That is, that is another cost, isn't it? So, so that's the real, you know, because I, I know so, somebody actually noticed, you know, it, I can't find that on the store anymore. Um, even if we just left it up there as abandonware, right, and didn't update it for iOS 7 or anything like that, it would still take tokens. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it's something that had to be done. And And frankly, it's in the long run, going to be better for the Mac or any other desktop clients that the mobile client not be holding it back. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. and I could see how, uh, you know, with iOS 7 out there, that, that requires quite an investment in, in changing the UI and tweaking it. It's right, free, just the visual, taking the just tokens. The, yeah, just the visual redesign. Um, you know, there, there were some issues in the iPhone app that have already been addressed in the Mac app, just due to GitHub making some changes, things like that. Yeah. It, it was just a little bit too much of a drag given some of the other projects we have on. Good call to make. It's probably a little tough. What's a good call it to make? It was a little make? tough. You know, I, 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 you know I, I'm not sure that the person who I replied to got the answer he wanted. Oh, well, right? yeah, yeah. It was kind of, you're right, those issues exist, and we're not going to be updating this, so let's pull it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and suppose if there wasn't a GitHub app, an official GitHub app that might change things up a little bit because there might be more demand, and then there'd be other opportunities to, uh, you know, come up with ways to generate revenue from it. Well, I also think if we didn't initially launch the iPhone version for free, mm, really, yeah, because so you have to remember the iPhone version was free, and the strategy was we were going to add a bunch of uh, commenting and, and uh, gist creation, 
And then we got nailed with that patent stuff about syntax highlighting. So what ended up happening is the iPhone version ended up on the store for free for about six months. And that's a long time to go back on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to – yeah, that's funny because there's there's ways – there's services and sites out there that monitor price drops. And then you show up on a bunch of lists when your price drops. Right. But when you're already starting at zero <laughs> – it, It's tough. And, you know, even – you know, the, the patent issue was very disruptive. And I, I think without even knowing it, I was left with the choice between mobile and desktop. And I just kind of picked desktop. Yeah. And that um, seems like we're, uh, probably where more people are going to get uh, more well, of their actual and, and work done. Our, our usage numbers are, you know, people are using CodeJournal for Mac. We have, you know, there's obviously different tiers of users, right? But the most hardcore people launch it at startup. Business? Right. They're, and, they're getting their business done. Right. And they, they don't, they just sit there and, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails from folks who aren't even developers. They're just, um, they're just PMs, right? And they're kind of just sitting there, oh, great, someone's so pushed oh great so and so has an issue let's comment on the issue kind of thing yeah i can see uh, that and and frankly i use it the same way because you know i hate html5 wow send, send your email to angela at <laughs> alan alan <laughs> alan oh uh, no i don't want to start a fight with angela she processes my PayPal. I love her. <laughs> yeah and she's uh she's also uh part, she processes my bank account and uh she cut me off from uh my uh app store purchases oh. No more Nexus 5s for you. Yeah, exactly. My, my Google Play account will get locked down. Now, um, I, I, I think, I think what, you, what you're struggling with is something that probably a lot of people are going to be experimenting with. Uh, and, this, and the pricing structure is such that you kind of have to sort of put it all up there and see what happens. And then you either have a, you have a win or you don't. And I think probably the mistake would be not cutting your losses when you did. I think it's probably... Yeah, and, and I think it's important to... to to say that, you know, Code Journal for Mac was a profit, Code Journal for iOS was a loss, right? Because um, it never generated revenue. What you need to do is put candy in there and then uh, in-app purchases and you'll be set. So I was thinking you get like, we could we could sell you like curly braces, <laughs> right? And then maybe like brackets. <laughs> That's evil. That's absolutely evil. Um, the kids out there don't get any ideas. Because, uh, you know, did you know we have students that listen to this show? I know, and oh, Chris, I've been interviewing again. Uh-oh. Well, uh, John wrote in, and he said, uh, he says, uh, hey, guys, I've been listening every week for about a year. I'm a freelance Cocoa slash Ruby dev and an iOS teacher at Codefellows in Seattle. Well, hey, John, if we ever need some of a, 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 local, uh, a local army, I'm drafting you. He said, I made the jump two years ago from doing development on the weekends and hanging on to my day job, and your show is a must-listen for devs in general, but especially for devs entering the freelance market, if nothing else. It's comforting to hear Michael's pain and feel some camaraderie when I'm on a brutal contract. Now, here's the cra- here's this, just, this just blew my mind. I teach students for eight weeks in a boot camp how to write Objective-C. But I put Coda Radio on the recommended reading list for the course because no amount of coding knowledge teaches you which cloud backend is actually easy to use and doesn't piss off your clients. Keep up the good work, John. <laughs> How great is that? We're on the recommended reading funny. list. So I hello to it. hello to uh, John's students and uh, uh, stay tuned because you're about to hear some of the dirty the dirty bits of it. The dirty dancing. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Um, so before we get into the burnout topic, was there anything else you want to touch on? I think there was, but I might have forgot. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get my diagnosis ready, so stand, All right. stand by. But uh, first, I wanted to thank our second sponsor this week, and that, my friends, you might have a guess who this is. Uh, they're DigitalOcean. Now, 
What is DigitalOcean? Well, good news. I'll tell you what DigitalOcean is. DigitalOcean is cloud hosting that is so simple. They dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy to spin up cloud server. Man, can I attest to that. User can create a cloud server in 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 per month for 512 megs of RAM, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. That's SSD-powered storage, and when you combine that with their super-fast internet speeds... It really hauls. It's awesome. Data centers are located in New York, San Francisco, and Amsterdam. The interface is simple, and it's the, the, the most intuitive control panel you've ever seen for doing something like this. They also have a straightforward API, which if we're going to get really into it, that could be pretty awesome. They've got a great library of ready-to-roll uh, apps like LAMP and Docker, just ready to roll out on top of Ubuntu. I have an Arch server up there right now that is doing more and more for me every single week. Every week that I use DigitalOcean, this server ends up doing more. Now here, here's really where you can go try it out for yourself. See if you like it for free for two months. Uh, listeners of Coda Radio, if they use the code CODARADIO74, that's when they came on, it's CODARADIO74, you'll get a $10 credit. Now if you get the uh, basic server like I have, which 512 megs of RAM doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about how good Linux is at memory management and what servers actually need for memory, and you combine that with the super fast SSD and the transfer, it is surprisingly, surprisingly well performing. You can get the $5 machine for two months for free with that $10 credit when you use the code CODARADIO74. Now that is, I mean, never been a better chance to go in and try it out. They have really easy to choose images. You can start, you can ramp it up a little bit. The next guy up is $10 a month. The guy after that is $20 a month. Very simple, very straightforward. You get it. Spins up super quick. DNS management is very easy. You can take backups. You can roll back a machine before you try anything. They support two-factor authentication. You can get up and rolling in under 55 seconds. I... I, you know, Mike, we, before they even became as a sponsor, you were telling me about how much you've been enjoying DigitalOcean for some of the stuff you do as a with with your app backends. I've been using it as just backend infrastructure support for Jupyter Broadcasting when I need something to spin up for a little bit, right? Just to yeah. use it for just to try something, and then I can take it back down. You can even pay by the hour over DigitalOcean. So that's actually uh, something I was doing a few times this weekend. I spun up a few um, test environments. You know, so we've got these, rail, I don't know if this is too off topic, but we've got these Rails apps laying around that haven't done the Ruby 2.0 transition yet. And just kind of seeing how painful is the upgrade going to be. It's great. Spin up a DigitalOcean instance for like maybe an hour. You know, bang on it a little bit. Get whatever information you needed out of it. Spin it back down. Yeah. Yep. And you can just try it out with those images. And what's cool is, like, uh, I set up an Arch image, so now when I want to deploy an Arch server again in the future, I have all the basics already ready to go. It's my own personal image that I can just deploy. And if I only need it for a little bit, I don't have to worry about the time it takes to set it up. It's ready to go. So go over to DigitalOcean. By the way, we'll have a link in the show notes for this offer. Uh, DigitalOcean has a vast collection of tutorials in their community section on their website, and users can submit articles to the community. And if it gets published, DigitalOcean will pay you 50 bucks. Uh, so we'll have a link to that in the show notes, too, if you want to help contribute to their community section. So go use the promo code CODARADIO74 over DigitalOcean. Go check out DigitalOcean. This is really the way cloud hosting on your own terms can be done. We've talked a lot about the downsides to, to, the, to the gotchas of, of a lot of these offerings out there for cloud hosting. This is the way you can do it. Your costs are commoditized. You know what they are. It's under your control. It's your solution. And it, the performance... Well, it's just really, it's blazing fast. So go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODARADIO74 when you check out. And thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. I'm really happy with my machine. 
So I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, something I've noticed, uh, Mike. And uh, if you just come over here into the doctor's office, please, uh, you might notice it's negative in the freedom but dimension. Don't let that don't let that bother you. Uh, it's it's the posters on the wall. Uh, so you know you've known you mentioned to me on Twitter that hey you think I might be it might be flaring up my burnout a little bit, and I I wanted to know what you've noticed. And I just want to talk to you. Let's start there. What have you noticed? Like, what symptoms of burnout are you experiencing right now, Mr. Dominic? Uh, a lot of late nights. Um, yeah, so you're tired. A little tired. Uh, more and more wanting to play Xbox. Yeah, so low motivation, you'd say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's, that's about it. I mean... What about, like, uh, inspiration on ideas or creativity? How's your? How would you say your creativity uh, f- uh, juices are flow? Are they low flow or high flow? Uh... I'm not. I'm not sure. I would. I would characterize that. I mean, a lot of what I'm doing right now is client work, so it's okay. kind of spec'd out. Ah, uh, okay. So low. So a low creative workload right now is what you're saying. Maybe I, I would say I've been dealing with less code and more scope creep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating. Else. Right. Uh, there's been certainly more letters written than code written. Yep. Yep. Um, I've also been going through this uh, interview process. Uh, where I'm interviewing these students and it's been poor. Um, so that's not great. Hmm. So, um, so my diagnosis is confirmed based on observations from the last couple of weeks, Mr. Dominic, you are suffering from burnout. Now what I find interesting about it is you only noticed it in the last week or so, but I would, I would bet that probably some people in the audience have noticed it over the last couple of weeks. And I'm not, that's not, I mean, that's natural. I go through periods of burnout too. So the question is, is are you in a spot where you can take remedies? Do you have the option of sort of relaxing for a couple of days, taking off the pet, uh, taking your foot off the pedal, so to speak? So I haven't taken a day off on a weekend in probably three or four weeks. That 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 burns you out, you know. I I, yeah. uh, I work on the weekends too, and it it can be so. Um, it just start, it starts it starts to feel like all the days run together. Like there's not really a weekend. There's no separation there. Which when you when when I slip out of that routine, that can also be kind of exhausting a little bit. Um, yeah. So this is one of those problems where I've fought with over the years because I I've it sounds so stupid because people are, I think oh, they're just podcasts. Like what are the big deal? But like you have to do the show every week at the same time. Well, I mean, we could be a little late, but then that f's up a whole series of events. Uh, so that in itself, just one of those a week can become exhausting. Like I think you know, you've probably noticed it's like it starts to feel like a marathon after a while. Even just one a week, right? Yeah, it, it, it's certainly thinking of topics, dealing yeah feedback. It, it can get it's it's more work than you would think it is. It is, yeah, because you're always yeah. you're always kind of keeping it in the back of your mind. You're thinking, oh, you know, could this be a topic? You know, how would I think talk about this on the show? What do I have to think about this? You you know, you spend more time thinking through some things. You think about the feedback. You're constantly processing that. So you so uh, you know you take that and it, it is just it can just be it starts to feel a little bit like a grind. Now what what for me always leads to burnout though is. Like I can that that rat race I can run, but what leads to burnout is all of the other stuff that kind of is like the sand in the machinery that really aggravates me. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of work, uh, a lot of uh, scope creep, right? That's the kind of stuff. Like right now, I am dealing with scope creep from hell just because I'm having technical issues that are adding forty five right. minutes to an hour and a half to every show every day for the last week, and now it's spilling into this week too. 
and that kind of stuff. It's like it's just like getting you. It just it's like beating you down. It's like, man, I'm barely, I'm barely, I barely have enough to get through the regular workload. Like, but I'm I can manage that, and I've I've worked out a routine, and that's all doable. But when you get all this extra sand in the machinery, it just it all starts to just become too much to carry. It starts to become yeah. a burden, and. I've struggled with ways to kind of cope with that over the years because it's like every situation is a little different too. Like what causes burnout one time isn't necessarily the same thing that causes burnout another time. And I think maybe both you and I suffer from a little bit of, I don't know if it's ego, but we don't recognize it probably as fast as we should. Like if we could catch it sooner on. You know, and then this, this seems to happen to me around this time of year. Um, and oh, I yeah. think there's oh, two yeah. obvious reasons yeah. for it yeah. that are, probably unique to me oh i thought uh, you were gonna say the holidays no no i actually like the holidays uh, um you know apple's event especially when they do a major rev causes a lot of people to get crazy but also about three weeks later apple sends their yearly email hey we are shutting down itunes connect for a week in december or two weeks right so you're in this weird situation where there are big changes people would like and there's an artificial clock on it right yeah um, first of all, I have no idea why them going on vacation requires them to literally turn off the web service. <laughs> right. So the thing is, you can't submit apps, period. Um, I understand they're not going to review them, but it'd be nice if I could just submit them, right? That causes a lot of awkward situations. Um, you know, what tends to happen is when we're going for a contract, the people... You know, the deadline matters a lot when they're trying to negotiate a time frame. Um, it doesn't matter at all when it's time to pay the down payment. Oh, right? let me give you a ding on that. And then once they've paid the down payment two to three weeks late, um, all of a sudden, well, can we still hit the same, same time frame? Yeah, you were working on that whole time for free, weren't you? Yeah, right. So... That always happens, and it usually doesn't matter, but around this time of year, because Apple is awesome enough to send that email to everybody who has a publisher account. So, which I, I do think they need a two-tiered system, where it's like people who are actually doing development and just folks who own applications, right? Uh, because yeah. their email is a little... It leads to alarmism, right? What do you mean the apps... Like, they think people won't be able to buy their app. Is the impression yeah, few people yeah. have done. I can see that. People sort of leap to the wrong conclusion and they contact right. you. Right. So that can wear you out. Uh, it's it's kind of the same every year, except this year iOS 7 has been a lot more disruptive than I thought it was going to be. Um, I want to s- – Oh, go ahead. Well, one thing is, is uh, I mean, so what you're saying here is, is sort of – we're kind of saying the same thing, though, is like all of a sudden there's all this extra work that's been dropped on you, right? Well – Kind of. So I expected a lot of extra work, um, and I got it to a point. But I got a surprising number of people saying, "Well, we're just not updating. We're done." Because they were just they didn't like iOS seven, don't like the UI, or just you know it's too much of an overhaul. And then people who are doing internal enterprise applications don't really care, right? Yeah, there's that aspect too. I mean, they don't need to keep up with the design. Right. Uh, design, design is secondary to functionality. Not even right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is secondary to price, which is secondary to time, which is secondary to yeah. <laughs> what, what's interesting is I'm having a surprising number of people who 
want to support the iOS 7 paradigm and also support the old paradigm too. Uh, and that conversation hasn't gone as well as I would have liked it to convince them just to jump to 7. Hmm. Um, which isn't great. So people, so I know for me, when I was a contractor, when people weren't taking my advice, so they hired me on as a consultant to consult with them because they aren't able to get this done without me. And then I would consult them, do something, and then they wouldn't do what I told them. That, and then when you then have to work on the solution that they have sort of compromised on or come up with, that in itself is a life-draining experience. That will take your enthusiasm out of you and it it makes what could sound like an amazing gig just an absolute grind sometimes, especially when you're working on something you know is not going to produce the results they want. Right. That is that's a killer. And and one issue in particular that again these last I'd say four months has been um, should we hate on agile a little bit? Do it. Let's do it. All right. I firmly believe that agile and fixed bits don't mix anymore. Um, Ah, interesting. Because a lot of folks take Agile to mean that they can evolve the product. Right. And they take it to mean that because that's what Agile is about. Yeah. But I think Agile is more appropriate when you're working with salaried developers on your staff that you've already sunk the cost. You have a, you have a dedicated team. Right. Yeah. When it's an outside consulting, you know, you're going to get another invoice. In particular, if you decide to redo the entire product from concept. Well, and it's hard for the contractor to schedule because the contractor has other clients. And so, you know, they have deadlines for those other clients. They already have projects that are right. planned out for them. And so Agile can be bursty. And all of a sudden, it's like, how do I accommodate this? Right. It has. And, I, and I've had a lot of resistance from people. Like, I, I've recommended folks that they talk to a designer. And a lot of people just don't want to do that now, which is the opposite of what I used to see. Do you suppose that's just cost saving? Do you think maybe I don't know if designers have been able to raise their price. I know my own experience since the iPhone was a big thing, the price of your average designer has gone up um, to almost dev prices, right? Or actually higher than dev prices in some cases. Yeah. So I think what's I think they've definitely seized the moment <laughs> and been able to raise their prices quite a lot yeah um having said that i do think there's you you don't need to hire you know icon factory right who will charge you two thousand dollars for an app icon or a thousand dollars for an app icon yeah yeah you can hire your local guy who can do it for or gal you know who'd be willing to work with you um and there's been a lot of resistance to that I've had people hire designers and refuse to listen to them on user flow st- issues. Um, now, do you feel like uh, do you feel like this? I'm noticing one trend over and over again: not listening, not taking recommendations, and scope creep. Right. I mean, yeah, those are basic. Now, did you? Let me ask you this, because this is part of the awareness aspect I was talking about. Have you noticed these things stacking up ahead of time and been like, oh, man, it's going to burn me out? Or are you now at this point, you're like, oh, this is why I'm burning out. Like, oh, I see all these things now. I see where I'm at now. Did you recognize the signs or is it, or is it already too late? Um, in a way, I set myself up for this. So we've changed our workflow a little bit to be more accommodating to changes and just tacking them on as change orders and charging for them, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is people don't read contracts. And they don't get that. So 
yes, I've seen it happening, but it's, you know, in a way, what I've been doing is having the scope discussion at the very beginning of the project now. Yeah. Saying this is all that's in scope. Anything else is a change order. You'll get an estimate in writing and that's it, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's your safest bet and it's up front. But people, again, you know, it's like the deadline thing, right? Like, yeah, 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 when they're in a rush to, to get the contract signed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once they get a get a change order and say, okay, well, that's, you know, additional work, we'll write up the change order. You get a lot of, whoa, Nelly kind of stuff, right? Like, hang on there. And I and I think a lot of that is is really a pollution of agile. I, I because hmm. the the within I say you know I'm talking about projects that have already passed and happened. These have all been people trying to use agile terminology. I love it when they just get like the bits and pieces of Bud's words, <laughs> right? Right. So, for instance, um, you know, agile has the concept of sprints, right? Sprints have an estimated time frame which is great uh but estimates slip oh right? yeah yeah like, esti- they that's why it's called an estimate or they can come in early right it happens um what i'm getting is a lot of people who have a sprint estimate and then a deadline uh, but they want to add things to the sprint estimate and not move the deadline hmm. and i think I think it's this weird agile waterfall thing that I don't know how it permeated out of the dev world and into PMOs. Well, I think it's actually startup culture. I think that's what it is. I think it's, um, I think these PMOs come to other companies. They move out into the industry and they get hired because they worked at some other company, maybe a startup and they, they were there while they launched their app or whatever it is and, or their website or whatever. And then they come work for the company with that as their credential. And the really thing they bring with them is buzzwords. And I don't mean to hate on PMs because I've worked with good PMs, but a lot right. of times a bad PM can can literally infect the culture of a company. They have they hold a lot more power. And this is the problem with all middle management in general is they can, while they don't necessarily have the authority to affect change, they can affect culture. So what's interesting, though, is this new breed of guy, you know, I know I'm, I'm about to blaspheme. I kind of like Waterfall. Right, I like having that document of record, and that if there's ever a disagreement, you can just whip out the contract and, be, and the document of record to be like, "Well, hang on there," and then you know in black and white who's right and who's wrong. And I'm not saying I'm always right, but if there was a misunderstanding, you have a document, right? Yeah, that people don't seem to want to do that with Agile. They don't want to write the screens document, the, the user flow document anymore. Or if they do, they certainly don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm assuming that that's just a pollution of agile. That's not the intent. Um, and again, I mean, even working with other developers, other development companies, in the last year, documentation has become a dirty word. Apparently, <laughs> it's in the code, man. Just check the comments, okay? Well, not even comments. That's the thing. Um, Just yeah, nothing. I, 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 I don't. I, I, I'd like to blame this whole you know lean startup idea on this. Um, in particular, the shoddy documentation bits. But I, I don't think that's. I think that's an easy way out, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are you going to do? Well, I don't. I don't think there's much to do. I, yeah. I think the yeah. reality is that 
I agree. I don't think there's a lot you can do. This is kind of the new normal. I think this is the new normal. I think, you know, mobile is starting to get more foreign competition, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there is a little bit of price pressure and, you know, this quote startup bro trend, as I call it, is is going to keep um, is going to keep being polluted as long as that pollution benefits the stakeholders, right? Mm. Yep. Yeah, because they're the ones with the budget. They're the ones that need to right. Because yeah. what it so the whole point, in my understanding of agile, is that everything is you know fungible, right? Everything can be changed, including the cost and the time. So that the client or the stakeholder gets the best product at the end of the thing, right? And if you change scope, it's just like waterfall. You go back and change everything else. Mm-hmm. That's the step folks seem to want to skip now. Oh, I can see why. Um, yeah, and you know, I, maybe I am a little bit of a curmudgeon, right? Like I'm gravitating more towards Java, more towards older stuff. Um, and frankly, away from from these newer methods of development. I, you know, I wonder: is it curmudgeon, or is it, you know, how a lot of times people observe how politics in the U.S. swing far to the left and swing right. far to the right? Maybe right. you've just, maybe you're sort of not swinging one to one far from one direction, but maybe you're kind of coming back a little bit more towards the center. Ah, uh, I mean, in this in this liberal conservative analogy, I think I'm yeah. swinging pretty far to the right. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I can see it. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm getting to the point where I'd almost rather see a document of record. Yeah, like a thirty page. You know, straight I, up. I feel like record. I feel like that's just experience. Just brings you to that point. But generally, I have found that you often end up with a better breed of client too if they're willing to engage in that with you. Like it's a different category of of so consumer. So the problem is in, in in the lovely hipster area of New York. That's kind of a dirty word. Yeah, I could see how you can't, yeah. can't get in the door. Yeah, uh, there's definitely areas here in Washington where it's like that too. Um, I I had, uh, in fact, I knew a guy whose whole thing was I don't sign contracts. And that, like, how do you how do you even own a business? Obviously, you have to go back on that. But his like, you know, when people, I'd see him say it to other vendors too. No contracts. Yeah, well, no, there's always contracts. I mean, I won't yeah. do anything. No, I know, I know. We didn't end up working with him, but I know the guy. Funny enough, the guy I did work. The guy that did take that job, I ended up working with on another job years later. So what's interesting is that like the structure of the contract is actually better than it used to be, right? With this more agile way, because it's we deliver things in sprints, and if you're unhappy or if you decide you want to go in a different direction, well, there's a stopping point that we right. can start. We yep. can talk about that. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Uh, or if you decide that where we are now is enough of an MVP for you. Well, we can just stop and Minimum call us later. viable product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what's happening is people are, you know, let's say we stop on a Monday and we're going to pick up on a Wednesday, right? We, we leave like a break for everybody to collect their thoughts on what they want. People seem to think that that Tuesday is like free change day. Yeah. Where, oh, can we just get this thing in and then we'll continue the next phase. Yeah. Yeah. Like, You're like that's no, not how it works. Yeah, you can you can get this change in, pay for it, pay for the next phase, and then we'll continue the next phase. I don't think you're ever gonna. I think that's human behavior. I don't. I mean, you can blame it yeah. on agile, but I think, and I think it definitely has sort of swayed the way people ex, what expectations are, and it's sort of opened the door for this opportunity for change. But I I think it comes down to fundamentally, it's it's human behavior. 
I really think this is how people who are trying to save money and work within a budget and work with a, with a vendor. I think this is just how they operate. And well, I, I also think there's a lot of uh, communication. Like, the, so f- feedback doesn't mean we'll change something, right? It'll go onto the QA list. Um, and that doesn't seem to have been understood by a few people. Well, yeah, that's that's because I've had to preach the gospel of we do not do QA in like early stages of development because it's a waste of your money. Yeah, there's a lot of things changing. Right. I mean, there's no sense in, in worrying about polish when, you know, we've only been working on this for two days. You know, talk to us at the end. You know, if there's five sprints, QA is sprint five. Yeah, it's, it's somebody asking about where the light switch panel is going to go before the right. frame's even fully built. I mean, we definitely want you to report the bugs is always what I say, but uh, that's, you know, not part of what we're doing right now. So um, I kind of I kind of think both of our solution might be sort of similar. They're not similar problems. But they sort of break down to the same. Also, I just want to touch on this. What do you think about, like, do you find, too, that if you have something that's sort of fun and creative to work on, that it helps with the burnout? Like, it's sort of like a little like a little burnout medicine? And that's why I think you went to games, because it's a quick, fun, yeah. creative, rewarding, like, burst. But, like, also, like, having a pet project that is sort of something you can succeed at and accomplish something at, I feel, I, I have found... That the sense of accomplishment can can be like really invigorating. It can really regenerate from that burnout. Like it can turn it around. But you got to have something you can win at when you need it, and you have to kind of be set up for it. You know, and I think well, video games offer a cheap version of it, right. but it's not it's not quite the same. And you really kind of have I, to get into it. I think a lot of it for me is that this new process was designed to solve this problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah. it feels like it's actually worse. Well, it, it it's 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 weird because it's better in a way because when you say, well, actually, they look at the SOW, look at the contract, and, and you know it's clearly laid out there. People tend to be okay. Uh, the problem is I don't like to do that. That's kind of a very, you know, that's one of those put up or shut up moves, right? Once you say that, people are liable to walk away. Yeah, and it sort of sets the new line because no one likes to be told to go look at the contract, right? Even though it is much more clearly laid out in a nice little graph, yeah, it's way worse than RTSM. It is so, it, it is yeah, it, but it is so much easier to understand, and we go over it when they sign it, rather than the old method, which was kind of a little more nebulous. Um, yeah, I think upfronts are really good because then it's a little more comfortable to kind of do it. Then it's not three months into it where you kind of become a little more buddy buddy, and now things are getting a little awkward when you got to pull out the contract. Right, and, and I, th- I think that's the issue. Is so we started doing it up front, just say, just to let you know, because this is often a discussion. Um, it hasn't really tapered it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know exactly what you mean because my clients, we'd have an agreement. We didn't call it a contract. We called it. Um, I can't remember what we called it, but statement of work. It's something like that where we'd say, here's here's the parameters. Here's about here's the amount of hours you can expect. Here's the rate it's going to be when you call after hours. Um, here's what's going to be on the weekend, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and even still, like there would be when something was outside that framework, there would be misunderstanding every time. And and we'd and, and this is after evolving a process where they'd sit down with me and a salesperson, right? right. And we go over it all, like we and we'd done it, you know, forty, fifty times. So it's not like we were bad at it, right? And even then, you, you really can't get around it. Um, 
to an extent. I mean, you can you can kind of refer back to the conversation, which is, but kind of makes that when you have to have that conversation again later a little more comfortable. You're like, well, remember when we talked about, and you can say you can kind of do it like that, and that's how you can bring up the contract, but it's still awkward. Oh, it's it's always going to be awkward, and you know, you know, maybe this isn't a solvable problem because I don't think so. I mean, I think it's you can mitigate it as much as possible, and you're starting to do those things. I, I honestly think, and this is this is going to sound crazy, but I I also think part of the solution is have a backup person. When you start to get to a point, I, I think like for me, it would be great to have, uh, like if I needed to take two days off, I would miss two shows. It'd be great to have somebody sit down in this chair and do those two shows for me, you know, and just do a, be a stand-in host for two days, or have yeah. somebody work on the tech problems while I work on the shows. So the the issue is that uh, this kind of administrative stuff has started to gum up the works for me a little. Yeah. Bit. Oh yeah. And it couldn't have come at a worse time because we had we we switched over to this new process and then we had the test flight issue. Oh right. So people, anybody who was ever involved in that was already a little nervous, right? You're having a lot of bad conversations. And to be fair, so far they've all just about worked out. Um, yeah, I have been marred in technical problems since the summer when I had three hard drives fail on me. I've essentially been having, it's like, I don't know if it was the summer heat or what, but I have had a series of like totally unplanned like extra stuff that I've had to be dealing with that uh, I just it's gotten to the point where I'm just like I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna have to start making some adjustments and so we're in t- in 2014 I'm gonna try to solve this problem pretty much within the first couple of months of 2014 but even that feels too far out right that's too far away I need something now and so for me it's like it's like you know try to car- set aside some time to go do something that's just totally unrelated to work but it's so hard when you're already so far behind. I think the real long-term solution is a backup person. So the way I'm approaching this is for November, I'm going to continue do, doing kind of a long damage control kind of thing. Um, but come December, I'm instructing hard business hours, right? Um, and I think I'm just going to be a little harder on the you failed to deliver a comp or you failed to deliver graphic assets. So that delays the project 48 hours. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, and not be willing to say, oh, it's okay, we're only a couple hours late. Um, I'm wondering what effect that's going to have, if any. Either my dream is that people will start you know, sending me things on 4.30 at Friday. My, my guess is that people are going to get all ruffled up and upset. But that's, that's probably going to be... At least late. in December, you can start leaning on the holidays, too. That's always a good universal excuse for... Uh... Well, so the, the problem is December also is is rough because folks don't return emails. Yeah. Phone calls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, nobody wants something to bleed from December to January because that's just bad. Right, right. Right. Projects really should end at the end of the year. That's how I like clean break, man. Clean break. Right. The, the problem is that I know a lot of business folks just kind of duck out a little early. You know, starting December 10th. As early as possible. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that email can wait, you know. And, it, and But then, of course, that creates technically a delay, and, and, and then we have to send the email. Unfortunately, we didn't get blah, 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 blah. This automatically moves the deadline to here, and, and that's probably what it's going to have to be. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to kill yourself. Well, otherwise, it's, it's working, you know. The one thing you seem to do that I don't is you charge more if it's after hours or on the weekend. So I don't. That sounds like a good idea, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, um, especially because it's something you can 
you can easily negotiate on. And so it gives them a win during the, so you can set it. So, so, so say, I'll say my after my weekend rate is two twenty five an hour. Now in, in the, in the process of a conversation, if I really want this client and I don't want to give on my regular hourly rate and I don't want to give on my emails and my phone calls, I'll give on that emergency to down maybe to one seventy five an hour. I have a huge window to play with there because I set that rule. Right, and I, and I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, although, to be honest, I don't want to have to have that emergency rate. Yeah, well, totally. The that, problem that, is it happens, right? So it's sort of like, well, at least I'm making extra money. It happens. And, and of course, there's always cases where we're running a little late or we didn't get something done on time or whatever. Plus, um, honestly, it, you know, it makes such a big difference that I cannot tell you how many times in a conversation uh, – uh, not with the bosses, but, you know, usually with somebody like, well, you know, if we do that on the weekend, that'll be the hour, right? Maybe we'll try not to do that. You know, like for them, it just sets up a wall and it's a wall they can totally climb if they want to. But most often they'll prefer to avoid it. And then that's how eventually how you get them not calling. Right, right. That's how the, you get them to make the decision. Well, it's going to wait. Yeah, because it's it is enough of a cycle. It's just that it gives them that psychological yeah. barrier that they have to overcome. Well, we're definitely got a higher price tag on that. And it, it's it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate because you almost rather not have to do that. <clears throat> yeah, and, I, and I'm I'm wondering, you know, and we can get off of this because I know we both have, uh, you know, to do things. I think there's definitely something that expectations have changed, um, and certainly mobile dev is becoming less of a specialty. Yeah. So people are starting to try to get more. Um. But they're cutting in bad places. Like the these folks who don't want to hire designers are crazy, right? They're hurting uh, themselves in the long run, right? Right, and then and and that's really what's concerning me is that you know it feels like it's definitely becoming a little bit of a commodity again. Where, this is like, one God, of those. This is one of those things where you wish they, as a consultant, they'd take your consultancy because uh, the design is not something you can always put on a chart and say, "Well, here's the quantitative value." of doing doing this doing a well-designed app versus not doing a well-designed app you can base it on some estimates and assumptions based on other apps but you can't tell them you will miss out on fifteen thousand sales right you can't say that over design so all they have to go on is your word and when they don't go on your word it feels like they don't trust you and then you start thinking well why the hell am i spending my time on this client when they're not even following my advice oh exactly exactly um and and that that's that's pretty much what it is and you know if you're launching a consumer product but having a designer do some work for you is where you're breaking the bank or that's where you're drawing the line, then you, you probably shouldn't be launching the product. Right. You're not in it. You're not in the game. Right. Or you, you, you either don't have the capital to do it or you have a very strange set of priorities. Right. And maybe there's some refinement. Maybe you could look at that MVP concept again and say, okay, maybe we right. can sort of limit this in scope a little bit and, and just spend yeah. a little more here on the design. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go to our Python book pick this week, I don't know if we have done this pick, actually. Well, maybe we have. We uh, did Hello World Python. It was another kid's Python book. Okay. So this one we got in from a recommendation. But first, I want to thank our final sponsor this week, and that is the great folks over at GoDaddy.com. Code Radio is brought to you by GoDaddy, and their website builder makes it easy to create your own website, put your business online, and find customers. Choose from hundreds of customizable designs, and you're on your way. Website builder even includes a free domain, hosting, and 24-7 support if you use the code WSB8, Website Builder 8, WSB8 when you check out over at GoDaddy.com. You get the hosting, the domain, and the support, a dollar for 12 months. Now, 
want to just put this quick plug in there. If you're doing any kind of con- client client contract work, make sure you have when they search for you or your business, make sure it's a domain you own and you have your own website on. Because if it's on something like Yelp or if it's on some sort of review site or if it's on Google Plus or Facebook, that, my friend, A, does not look professional and B, is not a good long-term strategy. So GoDaddy has a great offer here. You can just put it up there with their really awesome website builder. It's got SEO optimization up the wazoo and they'll also spin off a mobile version for you so that way you can get back to focusing on your work for a dollar a month for 12 months. So I go over there and use the code WSB8 when you check out, and they'll get you all set up with their website builder with the integrated hosting support and all of that good stuff. So thank you very much to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. All right, Mr. Dominic. Well, so our book this week, uh, it came in um, as, a, as a book recommendation for the holidays. We are taking your holiday book recommendation, folks. If you want to go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com and pop that contact link, we're just kind of picking out books that we think developers or people who might be interested in becoming developers uh, would want to read over the holiday if they have some extra time. This one came in from Julio. And he says, hey, Mike and Chris, after listening to episode 75, I want to send out a book suggestion for developers of all skill sizes. I'm a coder in my 30s who's never coded a line of Python until three months ago. So naturally, I was looking for an easy book to get started. The book I found was Python for Kids. The name may be misleading in stating it's a book for kids to learn programming. But like learning a verbal language, sometimes we need to learn like a child to learn something from scratch. I know that generally Mike talks down Python, the Python language, but I suggest he gives this book a try and give us his thoughts. Well, I don't know if he has time for that, but uh, I might get it. I think I'm going to get this. I think I'm going to prime. I think I'm going to prime it now. Let me ask you: Have you ever done a programming book on the Kindle? Is that a bad idea? Should I go paper? Uh, I've done it. I I think paper is the way to go. 22 bucks on paper and 9 bucks on Kindle, but it's primable. And so if you guys want to pick so, this up, I'll have it in the show notes and your purchase will support the network. Go ahead. Give it a shot. I mean, I found that the programming books, I do a lot of EPUB from O'Reilly, um, and they have the syntax highlighting correct. And Kindle editions sometimes are kind of um, PDF versions that have been... Alex Bell in the chat room is saying paper too. Sounds like they think yeah. paper. All right, I'll yeah. go paper. I'll, I'm gonna I'll prime this book. I'll get it, and uh, maybe I'll have some thoughts on it next week if I get it in time. I obviously won't be able to read the whole thing, but I'll start it, see where it's at. So that is uh, Python for Kids: A Playful Introduction to Programming, and we will have a link to that in the show notes. All right, Mister Dominic, will uh, anything else we want to cover before we go? No, I think that's it. Wow, well, fantastic. I, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode of Group Therapy Radio. This out there for those of you listening from the class. These are the big issues you have to deal with. And uh, yes. I think we're on the right path. Well, Mr. Dominic, where should people find you throughout the week? Find me at DominicM.com. Oh, that's so easy. We'll also have links to both our social profiles. I'm Google. I'm like Google.com slash plus Chris Fisher now. That's pretty cool. Uh, Coda Radio is live on a Monday. Go over to JBLive.tv at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. And then we're available for download Monday afternoon where you can subscribe to us in RSS. And we always appreciate a rate and a comment in the iTunes store because that helps other people find the Coda Radio program. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. See you right back here next week.